What is going on, everyone? Welcome back to another episode here on the T. Clark Nutrition Podcast. I'm your host, Tommy Clark, and today we're back for another round of Q&A where I answer your questions here in the podcast. And like I said before, the goal with the Q&A is really to have it be like I'm coaching you for free. So any questions you have, whether it's just like general things like how much protein should I be eating or like very specific questions based on your situation, there's really no limits there. So any questions you have, any way I can help you out, just hit me up on Instagram at tclarknutrition, or you can shoot me an email at uh, tclarknutrition at gmail.com. Any way you want to get a hold of me, any questions you have, I'll be sure to answer one, answer them here on the podcast in detail, and two, get back to you individually with a detailed answer. So any questions you have for podcasts going forward, because they will be happening every single Wednesday, uh, the listener Q&A. So any questions you have, just hit me up, let me know, would love to hear from you. Now, if you haven't already, I would definitely recommend going and checking out the Athlete's Guide to Nutritional Periodization and um, the four nutritional mistakes that are destroying your athletic performance and how to fix them. There's two free ebooks that I currently have available. Uh, the cool thing about the four nutritional mistakes one is that it's not just an ebook. It is um, an ebook, has a Cliff Notes version. It's like literally two pages. It covers everything you're going to know and you need to know from the two, from the 40 page, can't talk the 40 page original ebook. Um, there's an audio version, there's a video version as well. Really got you covered from every angle possible. So definitely go check both those out in the link down below in the description. And uh, yeah, and then as always, if you enjoyed the episode, go ahead and share it with someone who you think will benefit as well. I know I say this every single episode, but it really is true. The more people we can get listening to the podcast, the better. Um, because again, the goal of the podcast is to essentially provide you with free coaching and provide you with enough value to go and create your own nutrition plan. Essentially. That's my goal. Like if you DM me saying, dude, I heard the podcast and I did this and I felt so much better on the court or my recovery feels better. Like my energy is better. Like that makes my day. So just keep asking questions, um, keep contributing to the show and it would really be appreciated. And I believe that covers the announcements for today. Um, so as always, really appreciate you guys tuning in. Uh, any other questions, any way I can help you out, just hit me up. Like I've said a couple of times before in this intro, I don't want to repeat myself too much. Uh, and without any further ado, let's get into today's episode. All right. So the first question for the Q&A for this week is, is too much protein unhealthy? I heard if you go too high, it's, it's bad for your kidneys. And... The short answer to this is no, assuming all things normal, assuming you're otherwise healthy, your kidneys are fine, your liver is fine, there's no like underlying disease there, or underlying dysfunction there, a higher protein diet is not going to elicit um, poor health outcomes. There was a study done by Dr. Jose Antonio, I believe, um, where they fed the participants, I believe it was four grams per kilogram of body weight or 4.4 yeah 4.4 um grams per kilogram of body weight and protein and it did this i believe for a year um it was a, it was a pretty extended period of time and they found that there were no like adverse health effects and it was really interesting because like there's a common misconception that if you go too high in protein it's going to be hard in your kidneys and you might develop kidney disease but assuming all things are normal, assuming you don't already have kidney disease, you're fine. There's no need to be afraid of that higher protein intake. Now, if you have an underlying dysfunction and you do something that's going to aggravate it like that, then yeah, you could have issues. But assuming um, that everything is fine, assuming that you're otherwise healthy, a higher protein intake 
isn't really going to, or isn't going to lead to any negative health outcomes. Um, now, would I recommend eating 4.4 grams of protein per kilogram of body weight? That comes out to like two grams per pound, uh, just like the metric, converting the metric to the imperial. Um, that comes out to two grams per pound. Would I recommend that? Probably not. There's really no benefit to going that high. Um, the only one I could see is potentially like an adherence thing. Like if you were just a protein fiend, then okay, maybe, but you're probably going to be sacrificing some performance, not because the higher protein is bad, but because the um, increase in protein is going to leave much less room for carbohydrates in your diet. And when you inherently decrease carbohydrates, you're not going to have, you're essentially going to be starting your workout, starting your games or competitions with your fuel tank halfway to empty already because you're not going to have um, as optimal of a muscle glycogen status as you could. That's really the main drawback. Now, some people report um, when they increase protein, protein intake uh, dramatically or significantly, feeling digestive discomfort and feeling like they're bloated or gassy or, or constipated or things like that. Honestly, like when I go pretty high in protein, I don't typically go above one gram per pound. I, haven't, I typically hang around 0.8 to 0.9 grams per pound of body weight. I don't know what that comes out to exactly in uh, kilograms per pound or kilogram. Yeah. In kilograms per grams per kilogram. Yeah. There we go. Um, I don't know exactly what that comes out to, but it's not super high. It's sufficient. It's definitely enough to maximize muscle protein synthesis. So I got my bases covered there, but when I go super high, I don't feel the best in terms of digestion. That's just my personal experience. I know some people eating like 300 grams of protein per day, no issue or at least what they tell me, no issue. Now, are there actually issues going on there? Maybe, but it really depends on the individual. So if you go higher protein because you're in a fat loss phase and you wanna preserve muscle mass or you wanna do so for satiety reasons, for adherence reasons, just because you enjoy it, maybe, like I said, maybe you're a fiend for chicken breast, that's your thing, cool. You can, you just gotta be aware of it. And the thing people need to understand is you go high protein and you feel bloated and gassy and constipated. That's not just like a normal thing. If that happens, you should probably lower your protein intake because that's not good. Like if you have digestive dysfunction, that's not a good look. It's not a good sign. So you want to dial it back a little bit. If you go to 1.2, even 1.5, or even two grams of kind of body weight, if you really want to go that high and you feel fine, there's no digestive issues. Um, you're not going to see any negative health outcomes. Again, is it the best for performance specifically? Probably not. Honestly, for performance, I like to see it closer to 0 0.8, 0 0.9 grams per pound because that leaves you plenty of room for carbohydrates while um, maximizing muscle protein synthesis. And if you're going for performance, odds are you're either at maintenance calories or you're in a slight surplus. So you don't need to get higher protein because carbohydrates are a protein sparing nutrient, meaning when you're in a calorie uh, caloric maintenance state or in a caloric surplus, your body's going to default to burning the glycogens of burning the stored carbohydrates, burning the stored fat before it's going to default to burning, uh, breaking down muscle tissue, breaking down protein to create energy. So if your carbohydrates are sufficient, your fats are sufficient, protein doesn't need to be crazy high. It could even be as low as I believe like the lower limit that the literature recommends is either 0.6 or 0.7. I'm pretty sure I've heard different numbers thrown around. Um, I'm gonna go with 0.7 for this podcast though. Um, that's like the lower limit. So if you're above that, you're fine. Now, if you're in a fat loss phase, if you're trying to get lean, 
that could you probably want to bring that up to one to 1.2 grams per pound of body weight again just because you're not going to have as many carbs now so um, you want to get more protein in to kind of balance that off so you don't get more breakdown than uh, synthesis of protein when it comes to muscle maintenance we're always in a fine balance between muscle protein synthesis so anabolism building up in muscle protein breakdown or catabolism or breaking down. I said breaking down twice, but you get it. Um, and getting a higher protein intake can kind of help offset that muscle protein breakdown and balance out that equation so you don't reminimize muscle loss during the fat loss phase. Um, but when performance is the number one goal, honestly, you don't gotta go crazy. I know I just went way off track with the question, like the original question, but hopefully this was helpful. Um, but to answer the original question, short and sweet again, is too much protein unhealthy? Not necessarily, but it's probably not the best for your performance. So you want to keep it anywhere. If you're anywhere between 0.8 to 1.2 grams per pound of body weight, you're fine. I wouldn't overthink it. Um, that's a pretty good spot to be in. So that's what I would aim for. All right. Next question. How much sugar should I be eating per day? Again, a huge it depends. Um, the general recommendations as of right now in the US are 10% uh, of your total calories coming from sugar. I believe in Europe, it's actually 5%. Um, so anywhere between five to 10%, I would, I would say is fine. Um, as an athlete, you still wanna aim to be in this range, like just because you're an athlete and you're, you're performing at a high level on a daily basis or near daily basis, doesn't give you a free pass to go crazy with the sugar and the refined foods. But there are going to be some points in the year where you just got to get the calories and you got to get the carbs in, and that might result in a higher sugar intake than would be ideal. But at the same time, you don't always want to be in that crazy high sugar state like a lot of athletes are. That's where periodization becomes very important. That's why I like to track your food intake and make sure everything's on point. Um, but long story short, to answer the initial question, how much sugar? I would go for 5 to 10% of your total calories coming from sugar. And how you would do that, so how that would look is, let's say you're eating 4,000 calories a day, which is not unheard of. Again, I've thrown out that number number before. It's not unheard of in the athletes I work with. Um, so let's say you're eating 4,000 calories a day, and you're trying to get 5% five, 5 of your calories from, uh, from sugar. So 4,000 times 0 0.05 would give you um, the total calories from sugar. So 4,000 times 0 0.05 would give you 200, that's the calories. So how many grams of sugar? Well, sugar is a carbohydrate, so you would take that 200, divide it by four, because carbohydrates have four calories per gram, hopefully you're following me right now, and that would give you about 50 grams of sugar per day. Now if you were to go 10%, you just double that 100, so anywhere between 50 to 100 uh, grams of sugar, probably fine for you that day. Um, and again, this would scale up and down depending on your total caloric needs. So don't just take the 50 to 100 grams and run with that, do that math, um, the, the equation or the, the mathematic stuff. I don't even know why I can't think of the word there, but do that and determine your needs for your own calorie, uh, your own calorie goals for the day. And if you need help with that, just shoot me a DM, of course, but the math should be pretty straightforward. Um, and that should answer that question. Now, and people are yelling outside, so that's a, that's a great look. But the next question I want to answer is when is the best time for an athlete to pursue fat loss without negatively affecting performance? Any tips for this? It's actually a really interesting question. I like this one a lot. And my advice for a team sport athlete, so I'm going to take this in the context of a team sport athlete, um, just because athlete that can come to a number of different things. But 
I'm going to take this in the context of like a basketball player or a soccer player, similar with like a tradi traditional offseason. When I would schedule this is, um, I would schedule this phase during the beginning of your offseason. So not right before you're going to go into your season, not, definitely not during your season. That's not the time you want to be doing that. Because um, remember, to lose fat, you got to go into a caloric deficit. To perform to the best of your ability, you want to be at caloric maintenance or in a surplus. What I would do is schedule this fat loss phase at the beginning of your off season. Now, why would I do that? I think it's obvious why you do it in your off season. You don't have the pressure to perform. You don't have to be at peak performance level the entire off season. So there's no pressure for you to perform. It's okay if you want to get lean. You sacrifice a little bit of performance in the court, on the gym, in the, in the gym, on the field, um, and that's fine. Now, taking it to another level of detail, why did I say the beginning of the offseason? Well, as a team sport athlete, you don't want to go about drastic body composition changes, like right when you're going to have to transition back into the season, because you've got to be used to playing in your body. You've got to be used to moving around, running, jumping, doing explosive movements. And if you're trying to gain 5, 10 pounds or lose 5, 10 pounds or more, there's going to be an adjustment period to that. So you don't want to leave that process for right at the end of your off season, even though it's the off season still, that transition period is not going to be as smooth as you'd like it to be. So you want to give yourself a room, a little buffer, so you don't go into your next season feeling clunky or clumsy or um, just feeling off in your body. So that's why I like to schedule that in the beginning of the off season. Now, as far as how much weight I would recommend losing, uh, typically the recommendations are anywhere between like 0.5% to 1% of your body weight per week. Um, it's a pretty good starting point. I would make sure you keep track of biofeedback when you're going about that process. Cause like those are based on general population and general population doesn't have the pressure to train at the level that athletes are training during their off season. Um, and that's another point, maybe during this phase, do it in a phase where training isn't super stressful. So you don't have all the recovery demands. That's again, why I like to do it during the early off season, because typically most strength and conditioning programs aren't going to have you running yourself into the ground right after the last season ended in kind of that early off season phase. Um, so that could help as well. Just not having those recovery demands. But again, the reason why you don't want to do it like later in the off season, because then you have to go to that adjusting period. I kind of lost my train of thought there. I'm not sure if you caught that, but I was, I was talking, I was talking about something that that second thought, and then I just completely lost the first one. So I apologize about that. Hopefully it wasn't anything, too important that's kind of weird but it, it is what it is oh as far as the um the the rate of weight loss i got it so yeah typically for gen pop 0.5 to 1 percent of your body weight per week athletes this might be very dependent on your body it is very dependent on your biofeedback so you're gonna have to monitor that and see like okay i'm losing one percent of my body weight per week but my performance is absolutely nose diving even though it's okay to sacrifice some performance, you don't want to just let it go down the drain. So you want to keep, keep on top of that. If that's the case, maybe slow down your rate of weight loss. Um, again, you have time. And a lot of times, it's not about the weight as an athlete, especially a team sport athlete where you don't have to weigh in for shit. It's not about the weight. It's how you're feeling on the court. So if you're losing weight in an attempt to feel lighter, but you end up feeling like shit on the court or on the field, did you really accomplish the goal? Like, cool, you're 20 pounds lighter, but you felt like shit the entire off season and you didn't make as many um, skill improvements as you could have. Whereas maybe let's say you lose five pounds, cool, you look leaner, um, maybe even recomp a little bit, gain a little bit of muscle, and you're actually feeling good. There's not this huge adjustment period because five pounds isn't anything drastic. 
and now you're feeling good, you feel leaner, you do feel lighter and more explosive, but there wasn't this drastic change in weights. Um, so just a couple of things to think about. But as far as like the best time to pursue fat loss, I'd recommend beginning of the off season when there's little pressure to perform. Um, now, if you're going to recruiting camps, if you're a high school athlete, if, if that's the case, then okay, now we've got to talk. Um, what's the trade-off here? Because even though it's the quote-unquote off-season, you still got to perform. So we got to look at, okay, one of these camps, when can we time this stuff around it? And it really applies for anything. Like if you're a pro athlete doing off-season workouts for specific teams, um, things like that. If you're trying to qualify for a certain event, even though it might not be in season, you're still competing at a very high level. So we got to look at when that's happening, but assuming none of that's in play, um, it's just any typical off season, maybe you have a little bit of summer ball, but nothing too crazy that's gonna impact anything. Um, I would go beginning of the off season in use the second half of that off season to get used to training and playing and moving in that new body at that new body weight and that new body composition. So hopefully that makes sense. Um, and then the last question we got for today is how do I determine my daily calorie needs? I train two times per day, six to seven days per week. One, I'm going to start off by saying they're probably a lot more than you think they are. Um, like I, I dropped the number 4,000. I would probably go higher than that. Um, but again, this is a really big, it depends. Like I'm not going to sit here and say you should be eating 4,500 calories a day. I don't know. Like I don't know how much you weigh. I don't know what your training schedule actually looks like. What those two times per day consist of? Are they both high intensity? Is one aerobic work? One high intensity work is one weight room, skill work, team practices, how's your sleep, how's your recovery, how's your stress? There's so many things that we've got to take into consideration. That's what I do with my athletes inside the coaching program. But in terms of just the general calorie numbers, I would start off by going to the uh, Harris Benedict equation. Again, you can find this on Google. I just look it up, type in Harris dash Benedict equation, it'll pop up. There's a million different calculators. That'll give you a good idea of where you should be at. What I also want you to do is track your food intake. And I touched on this briefly in the last podcast episode, so you might want to go listen to that as well. Um, but you're going to track your food intake. Don't change anything, and that'll show you where you're at right now. And then what you want to do is just fill in the gap. So let's say you're eating 3,500 calories, but it says you should be eating 4,000. Okay, cool. Just go up to 4,000. Simple as that. Um, that's Again, that's a really simplistic view. But... That's just a tough one because there's so much context that goes into that. So if you're listening to this and you have any questions like about your specific situation, like I love that you gave me the detail two times per day, six, seven days per week, but there is a whole other level of detail that's needed there. So if you have any qu further questions, just hit me up on Instagram or shoot me an email, however I can help you out. But that pretty much brings us to the end of the podcast episode. Hopefully you found it helpful. Hopefully you enjoyed it. Um, if you, again, if you have any other questions, any follow-up questions, any questions for next week's Q and A, go ahead and just shoot me a DM on Instagram, shoot me an email, however you want to get a hold of me. would really appreciate that. And yeah, thank you so much for tuning in. Hopefully you enjoyed the episode and I'll talk to you on Friday for the guest episode for the week.